Hey, everybody. Welcome to The Bar is Open. I'm Greg Lamontagne. This is our health and fitness show. Today, I'm welcomed back. We have Crystal Krizinga back in the house. And we, today, we've also got Jason Winchester in the house. Thank you guys very much for joining us. You're welcome. Appreciate yes, you guys being here. It's awesome to see you again. Absolutely. So for friends of mine and folks that watch the podcast, you may not know, but I work out with both these people at... Uh, Submission Concepts Jiu-Jitsu Studio, and I've known Crystal for a couple of years. I met Jason maybe, I think like a year ago. It's the first time we ever kind of bumped into each other. Right around there. Like yeah. a Wednesday or Nogi something. Nogi class. I Nogi think. class. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. So one of the cool things that's in this community, and Crystal's been on the show a few times, you guys may uh, remember, is that a lot of the folks in Jiu-Jitsu have kind of like, uh, I don't want to call it just a medicine background, but a physical therapy, fitness, you fill in all the blanks, like those types yeah. of backgrounds, which is awesome. And yeah. so um, Crystal came to me, I don't know, a few weeks back and was like, probably longer than that, I think even, was like, we need to get Jason on the show so we yeah. can pick his brain <laughs> yeah. and go through that. So I want to give Jason, can you go ahead and give a little intro for yourself, a little background on yourself? Sure. Um, I'm currently a professor at Concordia University of Chicago in the exercise science, PhD in exercise science program. Um, I have a PhD in exercise physiology. My PhD minor was biomechanics. My master's was kind of the opposite of that. We didn't have really a major minor. We had a human performance master's, but we had concentrations. And so m most of my classes were in biomechanics and I kind of ran the biomechanics lab and stuff while I was there. And then I did a lot of physiology classes as well. Very cool. Um, I work a lot in uh, research. I do a lot of editorial work. I'm a senior editor for the Journal of Strength and Conditioning Research. And I, um, I um, um, do expert reviews for a lot of different journals, journals okay. of sports sciences, medicine science, sports and reviews, all sorts of stuff. Um, active in NSCA, which is the National Strength and Conditioning Association, okay. American College of Sports Medicine, a number of different organizations there. So this is kind of my my wheelhouse. I yeah, guess, absolutely. Uh, things I've been doing for quite some time. That's very cool. Whatnot. So well, thank you again for yeah, coming on. For Appreciate sure. it. Yeah, no, it's a pleasure. Appreciate it. Crystal, give us a little yeah. background on on you again. Give us an update. Yeah. So. Well, first of all, I just love that you do all that stuff. It's amazing. It sounds a lot cooler than it is. I no, it's no, totally it's cool. It's yeah. totally amazing. It's like, that's why I love learning from this guy and I just, everything. Yeah. So anyway, sorry. Um, yeah, no, I've been an athletic trainer for um, 10 years now. And um, my master's is in sports management. So just like organizing events and just organizational type work um mm -hmm. that's what i like to do yeah um so that is why i chose to step out of athletic training my full-time position recently i think like a month or two ago or something like that i don't remember um but and now i'm doing um i've dedicated my time to um submission concepts <clears throat> and um i'm also working at transcend health spa Awesome. Um, doing the things that I'm really passionate about, which is definitely Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Um, I just wanted to help grow and expand, you know, and, and the way that we grow is, I think, with a little bit more structure, some more organizational mm -hmm. type stuff. Um, the ba At the back end, just like paperwork, like handbook, like um, curriculum, right. um, yeah, building absolutely. curriculum. And, it's and huge. Just, yeah, right. just structuring things. And, and I like to do things like that. And um, and I've definitely picked his brain because he that's what he does. I mean, he builds curriculum. And, and so I just um, so, yeah. And and, and transcend i'm at transcend uh just helping people heal that's what i do you know that's what i love um doing is 
like healing myself, mind, body, spirit. It's what I has changed my life. Yeah. What Brazilian has uh, jujitsu has done for me, and then also what Transcend has done for me as well. So Absolutely. I'm just working both. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you again. Welcome back to the show. Um, we're going to jump into quite a few different things. I think this show is just kind of going to go where it's going to go today. And Sounds by good. the way, I also want to say like you also started some other classes at Submission Concepts beyond just like yeah. jujitsu. Yeah. Right. So for so I'm, I'm, women's I teach, only jujitsu, yeah. which is so cool. I literally just started a month ago a women's Brazilian jiu-jitsu class, and I'm super excited yeah. about that. It's awesome. I think, yeah. think jiu-jitsu can be intimidating for anybody. Mm -hmm. Kind of that's one of the challenges with jiu-jitsu. It's like, is it really for me? It's not like I've, I've mentioned this in the past on shows. It's like Taekwondo or something like that. You're doing light touch sparring. You're doing certain things. Jiu-Jitsu, you're, you're up in each other's grill, right? You're face to face. I mean, if it's guy or guy on guy, you know, girls and girls or mixed, you know, genders, it just, it's the way the, the way the martial art works. Right. So, um, that's always one of the challenges, but it's awesome, especially for somebody that's not come into it or hasn't done it like a woman and rolling with a dude can be intimidating, but it's also rolling with a stinky dude. Yeah. <laughs> right. You know, I mean, it's just that. So, you yeah, know, it's kind of one of those screens. It's just yeah. awesome. I, I really, I, it's awesome that you started that class. Yeah. I just, I really, um, just real quick, I just wanted to start it to, like you just said, to create a safe space for, <laughs> yeah. for women. And honestly, just to give them an introduction to make them comfortable on the mats. Yeah. And a lot of these women have started doing like the fundamentals classes and, and all these other, you know, they're starting to, to tiptoe in and, yeah. and this is, that's what I wanted. And so like now we have like a lot of the families are training together on the mats. Which is pretty cool. It's yeah. the coolest thing ever. Like I think about it, I'm like, I get the chills and like, I'm just like, this is so beautiful. Like I love having families on the mats. It's like to me it's just i don't know it's the most beautiful thing right absolutely so jonathan cool. jonathan was saying earlier he saw the wagners they all just went into the middle they went to the middle of the mats and just like hugged each other and i've seen them do that like the three of them and it's just the coolest thing like it's so sweet and i'm like this is amazing that's great so yeah anyway. awesome well thank you guys again for coming up so um both of you guys are purple belts in jujitsu. You've been doing it for a long time. You know what I mean? Like I'm just, uh, I, I've, I've said this in the past. I'm just a, a lowly white belt, <laughs> right? Which is kind of, but it's it, still, it's a couple of years in, right? I mean, it's, yeah, I know what sure. you're going to say. It's like a couple of years, still dedication. Yeah. Yeah. But and you're basically a blue belt. So. Stop. <laughs> um, <laughs> Jonathan's over there yeah, watching. Our coach. Uh, that's what I do when everybody says, oh, why are you, whatever. So no, it's, it's not up to me. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm not the one in charge of this um, at all. So Nor fun. do I want to be. But it's always fun. But I mean, it's a couple of years in, right? And For sure. we start going down, you start getting, so like the first, and I see this even in myself, and I think about this all the time, is when we think about the, the process, excuse me, the process of jujitsu, it's a lifelong kind of thing. Sure. It isn't something that's like, oh, I'm going to sign up and I'm going to get my orange belt and my brown belt and my red belt right. and my black, which is like, that's, it's like very metered. Sure. You do this test, this test, this test on this knowledge, this, you know what I mean? That's, right. mm -hmm. I did Taekwondo. I've got a third degree black belt in sure. Taekwondo. It was very methodical. What are you guys' thoughts on, or what, how do you overcome that challenge? Right. And I've, I've had this, I've asked you that in the past. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think, I'll let you answer that first. What are your thoughts on just the longevity of it, keeping yourself dedicated? I think it's about um, trying not, and this is hard to do, right? There's the whole, the 
mythology of jujitsu, leave your ego at the door, yeah. right? All these types of things. And that is a nice thing to think. It's very unrealistic, I think, for most people, including myself. And I try very hard to, to do that. Um, are you better than you were yesterday, right? Are you better than you were a year ago? And it's really challenging because learning is not a linear process. Right. It's not linear. We like to think, oh, the 1% better every day thing, right? But that's not true. Okay. And we'll get off in a, I want to get off in a rabbit hole too soon. It. But yeah, no, we're good. If you yeah, look absolutely. at the research on learning, learning is up and down. It's not a linear thing. Right. It's day-to-day -day performance is not reflective of learning in any way, shape, or form. And if you try to use your day-to-day -day performance to analyze whether or not you've actually learned something, you're going to get frustrated and quit because there's tons of research on this from a motor learning field, like the learning of physical skills. And what you find out is that there's ups and downs, there's plateaus, there's drops where things may drop two, three, four, five weeks, and then they jump up all of a sudden. It's yeah. just all over the place. And so playing the long game, I think, is the thing. Playing the long game and saying, where was I a year ago? Where was I six months ago? Not where was I last week? Not where was I yesterday? That's the real thing. And then I think being honest about your goals. Like, mm -hmm. What is it you're really trying to accomplish? What is it that you want to get out of jujitsu? If you want to be a world-class competitor, that's a very different conversation than you want to be able to protect yourself and have some basic skills. 100%, right? Or if you just want to be, you're about the lifestyle, you want a good workout, the camaraderie, the friendship of it. And, and that's one of the things that Crystal and I have talked about a bunch is that jujitsu can be all those things. Mm -hmm. It can be what you need it to be. If, you, if you're worried about self-defense, it can be that. If you're worried about bullying, it can be that. If you want to compete, you can be that. If you want to lose a bunch of weight, it can be that, right? And so it's very flexible and it can adapt to what you need it to be. But you have to be honest with yourself. And that means maybe being a little bit reflective and thinking about what it is you truly want to be and, and want to accomplish with jujitsu. Because if you don't do that, it's hard to measure progress. Yeah. Right. That absolutely makes sense. Yeah. Because the way I look at it is like two years compared to somebody that's been in the game for 20 years. For sure. That is a, for sure. That's, you know, a one tenth of the time, Absolutely. right? When you really yeah. think about the long game and you're looking at that, that longer vision. Right. Yeah. And I have, uh, you know, I think the frustration piece is what comes in with a lot of folks, mm -hmm. especially, I don't know if, it, is there an age, there's gotta be something with it that has an impact, like you hit a certain maturity level, like an age kind of factor. And maybe, is that why kids are often belted up quicker? Like little ones, mm -hmm. they get, there's more belts to the mm -hmm. game, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I don't know all the belts for, for uh, the juniors, but there's several of them versus white, blue, right. uh, purple, brown, black, right? right? And then stripes on them, right? So that's kind of like a little bit of a short-term achievement for them so they can mentally be like, I got something, I did something, I achieved this, right? I think so, yeah. And mm -hmm. I think there's definitely a certain point where you have to, you have to give up that short-term satisfaction 100%. for the long-term game, right? 100%. And I think that's really, that's a cool kind of background on that because I think in anything we do, be it learning and education, that's why college can take four years, but really, Education never ends, right? 100%. And jujitsu is, it's not just physical, it's a lot of mental to it, right? Oh, yes. So what are your thoughts on that as well? Like kind of the frustration and overcoming and, and helping others, maybe helping others overcome that. Yeah, I think we talked about this before. And um, I mean, it's just an ongoing challenge or I think obstacle that happens pretty often, um, you know, throughout the duration. But um, I think 
patience, like learning patience is the biggest thing with yourself. Um, Cause I've had those moments, um, you know, where I'm literally in tears because I'm so frustrated at like what is happening, like my performance, what I allowed to happen. You know, I get, I've been in those moments yeah. and it's getting much easier now. Um, not saying that I'm a hundred percent not going to cry on the mats again, but, um, <laughs> it's definitely You're really selling jujitsu right, right. now. <laughs> oh, sorry guys. No, but it, there's a mental challenge. You have to have some mental resilience. And I think that's what jujitsu helps with as well, along with, you know, a, a bunch of other modalities. But definitely, like, jujitsu has taught me how to be mentally resilient. And, and you know, the emotions are going to come and they're going to go, but I'm, I'm going to be, I'm going to stay consistent. I'm going to continue the path. I'm going to trust the process. You know, all these cliche things, but it's true. Yeah. You know, just staying stay in the course dedication yeah, right? it, yeah i think dedication in with any sports if you were to be a baseball player or a football player your career isn't kind of dictated by one game or one match if you will right yeah. it's sure. it's the it's your career it's the course of years or you know pro baseball players start out in little league and have to progress all the way through no, it's a lifelong process yeah. right and and i think too you think about having goals that are shorter term in nature, I think mm -hmm. can be very beneficial, right? So, mm -hmm. okay, well, I want to be X in 10 years, but what about in six months? Yeah. What do I want to be next month? Right? So picking certain aspects of your game, picking certain aspects of things that you're trying to improve upon, and then focusing on that so that you can see some sort of tangible mm -hmm. outcomes, mm -hmm. right? Like I've been working with coach John quite a bit recent, recently about different aspects of my game. Oh, I want to get my, my open guard better. Or I want to get my back game better. I want to get, I spent two, three months for him working on just getting out of side control. He's like, man, I'm at two, three stripe purple. I should be better at getting out of side control right now. Right. It's like, this is not okay. And so, um, <laughs> well, no, you think it's not okay, but compared to somebody else, it's well, great. <laughs> somebody who's pinning me down thinks it's wonderful. <laughs> right. right? Um, yeah. but I didn't think it was so great. And so, Picking, there's like the, what's called the SMART goal format. So you, some if you've never heard that before, but it's, it's just an acronym and it stands for specific, measurable, achievable, realistic, and time oriented. Right. So, and I may be fudging that a little bit, but that's the general idea. Okay. Right. So pick something that's specific. It's, it's something you can measure objectively. Right. Um, and, and then you go with that. Can you measure it? Yes or no. Right. Is it actually achievable? I'm not going to beat Gordon Ryan. That's not an achievable right. goal, and it's stupid to make that goal. That's right? how I not feel about happen, some of that. Right. right. <laughs> so then, so that's is achievable. Is it realistic? Yes or no. Right. And then time oriented. By when am I going to accomplish this? Okay. Right. And so if you can set some shorter term goals that can help you, that are maybe nested within those broader long term goals that you might have, that can keep you on the mat because you can see those things. Mm -hmm. You can see that change. I can see that I'm better at getting out of side control than I was four months ago. I can see that my open guard has gotten better. I can see that over the past three or four weeks, my back game has gotten better because I've been working on that a lot, right? Focused, yeah. Focused, mm -hmm. tangible goals. Absolutely. And so having that, I think it'd be very beneficial to people, especially when they start hitting those plateaus, they're hitting those ruts, they're getting frustrated, right? The other thing is too is don't measure yourself against the people that are in the room with you. That's a hard thing to do. Right. Right. There's a coming, lot of flaws with that coming in. There's a lot of us white belts yes. right now. A lot of three and four stripe sure. white belts. Right. And you're like, and they're all hungry. Dang, am I as good as him all or hungry. her? Or yeah. I can do this better, yeah. but he's better or she's better. You know, it's certain yeah. things. And I think everybody has like a specialty. Like 100%. everybody likes a certain game, if you will, within jujitsu. And I think that's, that's right. awesome. Right. Yeah. And that's 
So that, but it's hard, right? It is hard. And because you need, you want to benchmark against it. 100%. You do. So where I was going to go is benchmark yourself against the new person, right? And I'm not saying light them up. No, I'm not saying smash the new person when they come in, but you can, you get a more tangible understanding of where you're really at when you roll with somebody or drill with somebody the first time who's never done it. Right. Now you can see the progress all of a sudden. Whereas when you're going with your people every day, your training partners every day, you can't see that progress. We joke all the time. It's like, the mats don't give you anything you haven't earned. And a lot of times they don't right? even give you that because the people around you are getting better too. That's yeah. it's, And it's hard They're to all measure. hungry. Yeah. They're all getting approved, right? So if you just measure yourself against the people who are there every day, yeah. who you're rolling with every day, who know your game every that's day. Why you have, that's why I really appreciate like doing a couple of competitions. It was like I think that's somebody wonderful. I've yeah. never rolled yes. with. And it was like, okay. I get it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You right. can see you where can you're see at. Yeah. Something different. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. We have that every once in a while. There'll be a new purple belt that shows up or a new blue belt that mm-hmm. shows up or somebody like that. Right. And you get a chance to measure yourself against somebody that you haven't done before. And there's a little, you know, we always yeah. join us like a little spot. Your spotty senses are tingling. There's yeah. a disturbance it's in the force. Right? The new purple belt in the room. Right. And it's like, oh, everybody's kind of looking at each other. They want to see but it. True, you know? right? I mean, I think that's yeah. probably that's 100% any dojo true. kind of thing. It's 100% right? percent true. Yeah. 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 You just want it because you want that new measurement, right? You want to know, <laughs> and it's not about. But it's not a bad anything. thing. It's no, not a no. negative thing. It's like putting your, no. you're testing yourself a the, little bit. The, the ego can be a benefit if yeah. you use it and channel it the right way. Right. I think that's right. a good For way to growth, put it too, right? right? For growth. Yeah, absolutely. You're not just being, you're not an egomaniac yeah. to be a dick. No, no, no. There's narcissism <laughs> is different than ego, right? Like, there you go. Yeah, yeah perfect. Yeah. I was going to say one thing yeah, real absolutely. quick. Because uh, something happened today. <laughs> uh oh. Uh oh. <laughs> On the No, I actually was like. Choke out, John. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, I got put in a bad position, a Dars position, and my body moved the way it was supposed to move for a period of time. Okay. And I, it was unexpected. Like you just, it was just like a natural movement. Yes. Like so, you didn't have to uh, no, cognitively think I wasn't it. thinking about it at all. I didn't have to slow down and like take a second. It was just like it happened. And I was like, whoa. Like, Those are fun moments. And, and that was like, for me, that's kind of like what jujitsu can do for you too. You know, yeah. like if you just stay consistent, if you stay true to What's the that process. Called? I can't think of it. Like an autonomic response it's, it's, it's almost, It's a subconscious right? thought, right? Yeah. So we have conscious focus of attention. We have subconscious focus of attention, yeah. right? And you can, like we can tie our shoes while we're having a conversation because mm-hmm. we've tied our shoes a million times, right? Mm-hmm. It's not muscle memory. There's no that's such, a, that's what there's I was no kind of such thing as muscle, muscle memory. That's the what muscle doesn't of... learn, right? Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. The brain controls movement, but we have conscious and subconscious focus. Okay. And we could be focusing on one thing while we're subconsciously doing another task, right? One of the example that might work with like, you're really trying to remember somebody's name. You're trying to remember a song or whatever. Yeah. You can't remember it for the life of you. And mm-hmm. it's just killing you. Right. And all of a sudden you're walking around, you're cooking dinner and you're just, you yell out the name all of a sudden, right? You yell it out the song. It happens to us all, all the time. Okay. It, like with that's movies. your subconscious <laughs> mind's been working on that problem the whole time, right? <laughs> your so subconscious amazing. mind is thinking about that. It's not conscious focus. It's <laughs> subconscious focus, right? And that's, there's stages of learning and there's the cognitive stage, the associative stage and the autonomous stage, right? Okay. That autonomic stage is when you can start doing that sort of thing. Just mindlessly. Yeah. Almost, it, right? It's it's trained. When, it's when so in classical martial arts, when they say like no mind, like mushin, right? Yeah. Like that's what they mean. Okay. They mean it's not conscious focus. And there's all sorts of analogies that people use to, try to describe that. But the reality is it's still the brain. Yeah. 
It's just not the brand conscious. You're not cognitively focused. It's a subconscious level. It's really focus. cool. I mean, it's, it's super it's interesting. Neat, right? it's, yeah. it's cool when it happens. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's, it, I, it happened to me too. Every once in a while, I like, oh, wow, that was pretty neat. I wish I could yeah. do that again. Yeah. I can't do it again. Right. Yeah. It's almost like you had so. a Zen. We've talked about these like Zen moments type of situation. Yeah. Where like, Did I just do that? And yeah. Like, it's the driving thing. Yeah. Where, like, yeah. you just, I just went like a quarter cool. mile. And sure. I was just, cause I'm just on, autopilot yeah. right? your sure. body was just rolling that's awesome yeah. that's a cool feeling like you said so you said it the stages are cognitive what was the associative one? associative and then um autonomic autonomic yeah okay. that's like a classic theory of motor learning right um i think it's the fitness po fits and posner model or something like that i don't know i've taught motor learning a little <laughs> bit here and there and i've done some very dabbled in the research uh, a yeah. little bit of stuff to link it to this some of the biomechanics aspects of things but but yeah that's the basic idea right is we can measure stages of learning and how people's performance uh, manifests itself can tell you a little bit about where they are in the learning process, right? So Crystal and I are very much probably in the associative stage for the most part, dabbling every once in a while into the autonomic stage. And every once in a while, when we're doing some new thing that we haven't done, we're right back in cognitive again. Mm -hmm. We're going to jump to autonomic faster because we have something to link it to. Okay. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, but you know, like, um, so the thing that we did, I don't know, four or five months ago, we were doing some funky back takes from the top, you know, it's like samurai rolls and all this kind of stuff. And I just garbage at that. I'm just absolutely <laughs> garbage at it, right? And I could not do it for the life of me. And so it's very much a cognitive stage thing, yeah. right? Um, but then we do something else and it's like, oh, okay, I've done that or a variation of it and I pick it up instantly. It's, it, I'm very much associative or maybe even some places autonomic there. Right? That's interesting that you say that because even when we're learning something new yeah. or just practicing a drill we've done, I can do one side easier oh, and then it's like, yeah. oh, my left, I always joke, yeah. it's like my left brain side, has right? to kick in yeah, now. Yeah. Yeah. And now I have to like refigure For out, sure. like it's, it's like For you have sure. to learn an entirely new But you'll thing. learn it way faster than you would have because as a beginner trained. because the motor pattern makes sense to you. You understand what you're trying to accomplish. You just have to do it. You're recruiting different muscles, right? Yeah, because you're doing the opposite side. You're going yeah. the opposite side. It's yeah, like so. using, it's like writing with your left hand. 100%. It's, it's really. You can do it, but it's a little ugly, right? It's ugly. But you can write your name with your opposite hand. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's yeah. why I never want to break my right hand. There you go. If I do, out of luck. That's right and everything. Right. Um, yeah. Were you going to say something? Yeah, I was just going to say that totally makes sense now. Now that you've broken it down, it makes yeah. sense. Because you told me that um, recently. You said you're in the associative. And I was like, what does that mean? Right, that's I, I didn't understand yeah, yeah, yeah. what that yeah. meant. And I was like, so now. I like, like to just throw oh. cryptic, uh, sciencey sounding things out there. <laughs> yeah. well, for absolutely no reason whatsoever. Yeah. Right? No, so I love it, though. That's, that's I love speech. it. That's it is. It's Absolutely. That's your life. That's Which why I'm awesome. so grateful you <laughs> So the like, benefits of jujitsu, right? We know like the mental, that's a huge, I mean, th I, the physical is kind of apparent, right? For sure. It's one of the hardest workouts you can get. I've run marathons. I've done a lot of really crazy mountain biking things. I've sure. done all sorts of, jujitsu is probably one of the hardest workouts I've done. I would agree. Just, it's an hour. I, I don't think I've ever sweat so much in my life, yeah. right? Just, it's just part of it. But the mental piece of it, I think, is one of the biggest benefits of it. it we've talked, we've already talked kind of a bit of that. Is how, but how do you, Jason, how would you think going, taking the mental game outside of the sport of jujitsu and applying yeah. it? No, for sure. We, we've talked about this a bunch. I've talked about this with Coach John too. And there's, there's a number of things here. Um, the one that, that I think of the most and I think the most readily is um, when I was a kid, I was bullied a ton, a ton. I was undersized. Now I'm bigger than most people, but I was way <laughs> undersized as a kid, um, you know, in, in single parent home and stuff. And just, okay. you know, so the 
the confidence level that you get from having competence mm -hmm. is a huge boost, mm -hmm. right? You walk around just not sweating anything. Now I'm pretty much uh, you know a loser anyway. I stay at home every night, and I got a kid. And not I a that. loser, no, you're a family a, man. Yeah, not a family <laughs> man, but I don't go out and do things. I mean, I'm going to places where people are starting fights. So I'm like, I'm no, not going yeah. to bars anymore and no. things like that. You know, when I was younger, I, I had my time, but but that's that's not happening, right? But in general, walking around, I'm just not concerned about anything, right? right. And so um, it's, it's not to say that I'm some sort of world beater or anything yeah. like that, because I'm not. I mean, I'm nobody in jujitsu, but I have a level of competence that I've earned. Competence. Competence. Okay, cool. That I've earned, which gives the confidence, okay. right? That, And I think that's one of the more interesting pieces of it. And I talk about that a lot with my own son who trains. And I teach yeah. him at home. Yeah. He, we bring him to Subcon. Now, he's been a few different places, but the last few months, uh, we've been at Subcon and I've been blessed to be able to come and actually help out and be on the mat and, and do that stuff too, which is fantastic. Um, but I want him to have a confidence that's not just bravado and machismo. It's yeah. built upon something mm -hmm. that's solid and real that if he chooses to walk away from something, some sort of altercation or whatever, it's because he made the choice, not because he was afraid or too afraid or whatever the case may be. Right. And um, I forget who said it now, but one of the jujitsu practitioners, one of the famous ones, either a Machado or a Gracie, something like that, mm -hmm. I said, at some point in time, my, my child is going to have to say no. And I want there to be more behind it than hope. That's a, that's it's a, a great, great line. I yeah. wish I had come up with it. It's totally not mine, but it's what I want. I hope him. I don't get hit. Turning I, hope around. I, I hope I don't. I don't. They don't make me do this thing yeah. I don't want to do. Right. And so I think that's a huge aspect of yeah. it. The other aspect of it shows up in work and things like that, right? Yeah. That the Jew of jujitsu is yielding. That's what it basically translates as, right? And um, my, my former job, I, I switched jobs in January. It was very stressful. And there was all of these conflicts and, and, and things. And there was all these different competing goals and things going on all the time. And it was really a tough environment in a lot of ways. And there's wonderful people there too, but tough in a lot of ways. And I, after I, a few years of training jujitsu, I started to think, I was like, you know, Jason, you don't have to fight that fight now. Just let it go. Like, just shut up for once and just yield to it. And then find a way to redirect and fight that fight down the road. Yeah. Right. And so it helped me a lot. Um, the surrendering to the things that I couldn't control. Like, just like you get smashed inside control. It's like, okay, you know what? <laughs> this is my life now, apparently. Right? Uh, I'm going to be here for the next three and a half minutes. Yeah. But you have to yield to that yeah. and recognize and it and, just, and it. learn to relax and learn to breathe and learn to control yourself. And, and those, those things have helped me a great deal. Uh, so there's a number of things like that. But those are two of the big ones that pop up for me. That absolutely makes sense as far yeah. as there are things that are outside of our control. One hundred percent inside control, or anything 100%. else, or just work. Yes, the environment can shift on you. One hundred percent, completely out of your control. You can't do anything. Leadership changes, right? Or, or the projects they assign you to, or whatever sure. it is, right? Sure, you have to be able to adapt to that. And I think yeah. that's a huge thing in that ad adaptation. Absolutely. But being able to step back and say, "Hey, some things are out of my control," right, right, and being cool with that, and just yeah. kind of, we've talked about this in the past. It's like. A lot of us can be control freaks. I'm absolutely one at work, 100%. right? I've got so much work, so many projects happening with deadlines. You're like, you got to get this done. You have to get, you know, and you're like, oh crap, what happens if I don't hit the deadline? And then you're like, right. well, I'll probably still have a job. I'll have a job. But you know what I mean? You hope most people are in that circumstance, For sure. but there are circumstances where you have to just step back yeah. and, and take, a, take a breather, like you yeah. said. And it, it, the the analogy is perfect for jujitsu. It's like if somebody's on top of you, smashing you, 
if instead of just pushing and pushing and burning yourself out, if you just relax for a second, catch your breath, gather yourself. I think that can apply to a lot of things, just like right. you were saying. So, yeah. The other one that uh, Crystal and I were talking about just a couple of weeks ago too is, um, and this is actually, it's, you said it's outside of jujitsu, but it's actually kind of inside, but it influences the outside. I don't okay. know if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, but in jujitsu, it's one of the very few places in my life, and I suspect in a lot of people's life, where I'm 100% in the moment. There's no option. 100% in the moment. <laughs> yeah. Even when I'm just drilling or I'm listening to a uh, coach teach or if I'm teaching or if I'm helping somebody or if somebody's, we're, we're just hanging out, mm -hmm. right? I'm, I'm really not thinking about anything, all the stuff that I have to yeah. do outside of there. Now that's not universally true, but 99.9% .9 of the time it is. So there's been a few times where been some real heavy stuff going on and sure. it's creeped into my, my training and it's kind of influenced things or I'm expecting a work meeting or a call. So I got to have my ringer on or whatever, but, but the majority of the time, that's not the case. And that level of, um, complete focus, complete, um, dis disassociation from the rest of the world is very, very, very rare, very rare. It really and, is. And it's, I... it's a blessing yeah. and you don't get it in a lot of places. And it's a wonderful thing when you get it. And that's a, true. a true mental aspect of jujitsu that's blurs the line between inside and in and off the mat, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Right. So, and I, and that was, that's a huge thing for me. And it's a huge part of why I love jujitsu so much. I wanted to make sure I mentioned it because we had just talked about yeah. it really just a few days ago, I think, or maybe yeah, a week or two. Like a so. week or so, yeah. yeah. I think that's, that's a critical point of jujitsu. Cause I was just thinking back, right. There, you can't, Aside from having like music on in the it going on, or, I don't even hear that anymore. Sure. Right. For the most part, it's just kind of noise, yeah, white yeah, noise yeah. in the background. Right. But I was thinking about like mountain biking or road biking where I've gone for like 50 miles. I've got music rolling. Yeah. I'm thinking about other things because you have time to kind of just. But wander, that's good too. Which is good. But, or I could dwell back on something. Right? You could. Jiu Jitsu to me. So Thursday night, I was quite honestly, I was like, do I go? Beth wasn't feeling well. She right. just run down. And I'm like, I feel fine, but I'm just kind of like tired. Didn't get done working until late. And I was like, all right, drag my butt to jujitsu. Go do. And it was like sure. the best thing I could have done. Absolutely. Because I had to do it. Right? Sure. Because that's the thing. I stressed out from work. Anytime you take a week off. Right. Uh, the work never stops. Right. So no, he's got to get, it's just, uh, that's just how work is. For sure. Reason. Absolutely. Um, and it gave me that one and a half hours of clarity, even just to sit around it, yes. even for 20 minutes after or 15 before and sure. after to sit there and have talk with you guys and talk right. with the, with the team and everything. Oh no, that's awesome. So yeah. it built that, built that camaraderie, right. but also gave me just one hour of not looking at my phone, yes, not looking at texts or even being on YouTube or doing whatever yeah. the crap we do on a regular basis. 100%. Right? Um, but no, I think that's a, that's a perfect call out yeah. for this type of, I think, a lot of martial arts could be could do that jujitsu specifically because you're so ultra focused. Yeah, for five seven minutes in a you know in between. Yeah, you don't have a choice. There's right? no choice. Yeah. yeah, it's like you have to be focused or somebody's gonna yeah. take you down, choke you out, right. armbar you, whatever yeah. you know those sorts of things. Yeah. So it's really cool. Yeah. yeah, I think that that you can have that experience with other things as well, but definitely, I mean. Obviously, we're all involved in jujitsu, and so that's that's the space that we find that. Yeah, so hundred percent, it's beautiful. Yeah, I've done other martial arts, but I did not get that. Oh, and really? it's not to say that you can't, mm -hmm. um, but I didn't. Okay, right? now I'm kind of ADD passion. thing going on. Yeah. I have a hard time focusing anyway. So, 
and I was very, you know, but, but jujitsu is because it requires so much conscious focus. It, I just have to tell my subconscious mind, shut up. Right. And I just do this thing. That's, right. Yeah. And so, no, I, the learning. Yeah. Right. It's well, it's the like, learning, yeah. but when you're actually rolling with somebody, yeah. like if you, you mess up, like not mess up, but if you aren't focused, there's the a tangible response to that. Right. There. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. True. Yeah. Could hurt or, yeah. you know, the goal is not get submitted. Of course not. Right. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of the goal. Yeah. I just like my thought went or to position like, or something like yeah. that, a losing position. My thought, and I've never played this sport but football like i immediately thought of because that's you were put in sure. dangerous right you have you get to smashed yeah right. there's yeah, yeah. there's a lot going on so th i was just thinking that but i think like jujitsu there's just i'm sure with other sports as well but there's just so many like variables there's so much yeah. to take in there's so much to experience like there's just a lot going for sure on, yeah so. no i agree and i think it ties into just generally why People love jujitsu so much, and it's grown mm -hmm. as fast as as they can. Um, not to plug another podcast on your Go podcast, yeah, but there's a um, a guy that does a podcast called A Hero with a Thousand Holds. Okay, and he explores wrestling cultures, like um, 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 indigenous wrestling cultures, folk wrestling cultures, all over the world. Okay, right, and he makes this point all the time, and I think it's a really fantastic point. It's like there's something very primal about jujitsu. There's very there's some very hind brain aspect of things about jujitsu. Right? You're testing yourself against another person. No tools, no nothing. Your skill, your strength, your guile, whatever conditioning you came into the room with that day, that's what you got, right? If you got an injury, you got to work around it. Whatever the case may be, right? And there's a reason that every culture in the world has a wrestling tradition. There's a reason. The camaraderie of it, it. it it develops you in ways that other things can't develop you. Right. And there, I think, I believe that there's a reason that virtually every culture on the planet from Siberia to Tierra del Fuego, to North America, I'm to thinking Europe, even back to, to the every, all the, no, yeah. in, in, you know, to Southeast Asia, to, yeah. to everywhere yeah. has a wrestling tradition. And it's a very primal kind of, you know, mm -hmm. tangible thing. You put your hands on somebody else, you settled disputes, you grew warriors, you trained people, mm -hmm. you made people stronger, you made people better. It was a camaraderie aspect oh. of it. Like you just got done trying to beat each other's brains out. What's the first thing you do? Shake hands, shake hands, hug it out. That's Dude, it. Yeah. You're a monster. You're a killer, right? Yep. You're pumping each yeah. other up. <laughs> it's, it's, it's wonderful. It is tribal. And you don't tribal, get right? that yeah, anywhere cool. else. Right? So you awesome. don't get it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's amazing that you just don't get that anywhere else. Yeah, well, yeah. So. Sorry yeah. about that. No, no but that's it's freaking it's, beautiful. It's, 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 it's the history yeah. behind one hundred percent, one hundred percent martial arts and wrestling. Yeah. Arguably, was probably one of the first ones. One hundred percent. When you think Without about question, it, right? it was. You know, Without when question. you go back to the to those types of mm -hmm. of aspects. Yeah. So, um, mind, body, and spirit. We've talked about that. Crystal and I have talked about that quite a bit, right? When you go, we talked about a lot about the mind portion of this, mm -hmm. and then the spiritual aspects of some of this. And I'm, it doesn't necessarily have to be like any specific faith or something like that. But I think a lot of this can help us, you know, improve ourselves. We bring this in. There's yeah. certain practices that we do almost religiously. Right. And this is one of them that mm -hmm. a lot of people will dedicate. I'm not going to compare yeah. the two yeah, necessarily, yeah. No, different things. but from a, from a, a psychological aspect of sure. it, right. It's like you're dedicating your time, your energy, your efforts. Mm -hmm. um, so we've talked this kind of jumping a little bit. Um, how do you, Crystal, so we've talked about various modalities, help improve our daily lives, and now you're fully committed. What does jujitsu bring to you that other things don't, other sports or other kind of aspects? I, I guess it's just kind of an open question. Like, 
we've had this again, we've talked about this before in the past. It's like the focus, the concentration, those sorts of things. Anything else you can add to that? Like, well, the first thing that comes to mind is just like my eagerness to learn more. And I think like, cause neuroplasticity, like I'm sure just the learning mm -hmm. aspect of it. Right. Um, so when I started jujitsu, I started wanting to learn more. And not just on the mats. I just wanted to learn. Like, I was just like, I need more. I yeah. need more. Like, I just wanted to learn more. And it was just like, I don't know, this drive that started to fill, you know what I mean? And and I don't know if there's something scientifically behind that other than, you know, but it just, it really changed my entire life, the course of my life too. And and like I said before, you know, I went through my period of my my dark yeah, period yeah, yeah. you know but it's all it was all a learning experience mm -hmm. and it you changed have to learn those experiences right and so i was them. at like the darkest what i believe was one of the darkest parts of my lives and and you know something drastic happened and i had to make a change and at that time when that happened i started jujitsu and then my life just it just 180 i was just completely all I wanted to do was improve myself, mind, body, and spirit. I was like, how can I change? Like, how can I change for the better? I need to break these habits. I need to break these the cycle of what's yes, going on. Yes, the cycles that that were happening in my life because I wasn't happy with who I was. And and I knew that I loved jujitsu, the grappling part of it, because like I said before, I was doing MMA. I had done karate when I was a kid. Mm -hmm. And so I had experienced these things before, but when I was doing MMA, I just remembered like the grappling was so like something about the grappling. I really, yes, yes. Yeah. It was just probably because we had just talked about that, but, but yeah, that was it. Like I was just, so when Sammy introduced me to the uh, jujitsu, I was like, this is exactly what I wanted. And then it just like, cool. just under like, you know, with time and stuff and seeing there's just so much, you know, like there's like this vast amount of knowledge that just, you know, you it's can just, never ending. Almost, and it's just like right? it never. And that's what I mean. That's what all of life is. Like, I feel like you can learn from every aspect of life. And that's what it's done for me. The biggest thing is like, all I want to do is learn whatever happens to me on or off the mats. Like, what can I learn from it? How can I be better? How can I improve? So that's what it's done. It's for awesome. Me. Perfect. Yeah. What brought you to jujitsu, Jason? Um, I was training uh, Filipino martial arts at the t uh, before jujitsu, okay. and even after I started for a number uh, for a long time. And um, I'd always been interested in that or different martial arts. You know, going back to being a kid and 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 whatnot. And then, you know, I started thinking about well, I need a ground game. I need some ability to defend I myself get, and fight on the ground. Off right? My feet. Yeah, absolutely. Down, right. And so. I had seen enough fights and been in enough fights and I'm from Iowa, a lot of wrestlers, yep. they teach wrestling in elementary school in Iowa, right? They're very <laughs> serious uh, about it. And, um, and, and so I understood that I wasn't one of those guys. Oh, I'll never get taken to the ground. Oh, I just stand up. Right. I wasn't delusional like that. I'm delusional about some other things I suspect, but, <laughs> but not about that one. Yeah. I understood that it was a factor and that it needed to be computed. Right. And so I said, well, I'll start training jujitsu a couple days a week just to compliment what I'm already doing with, with Kali, right. With Filipino martial arts. Okay. And, um, and I quick, very quickly fell in love with it. I very quickly, uh, discovered a passion for it. I was doing privates all the time and, um, training classes during the day. And then I was still training Kali at night and doing all that kind of stuff. And then, um, eventually, um, I had a, a, a neck surgery and I couldn't train anything for a while. Yeah. And, um, so I, when I went back, I kind of got very used to being at home in the evenings for my son and putting my son to bed and reading books and giving his blessing at night and all these things that I like to do. 
Um, and it's like, you know, I don't want to go back and train at night. I That's only fair. want to train in the day and I don't want to train on the weekend. I only want to train in the day. And I did end up training on the weekends, but during the day a little bit, um, usually I would try to time it to when he was going to take a nap or my wife okay. was going to take him to the store or whatever. Yeah. So I could go. Right. And I just really fell Slide in love with jujitsu. Yeah. 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 And so I was training like seven days a week. Uh, I'm doing privates. I just fell in love with it. And so for me, it was, I gave up the Filipino martial arts, not because I didn't like it. I very much liked it. And I put a lot of time and effort into it, different Filipino systems and whatnot. And, um, and I enjoyed it a great deal, but I just didn't want to train in the evenings anymore. Okay. I didn't want to give up my nights with my family. And so I thought, well, I was kind of, didn't really have belts in that system. Okay. Um, but what it was described, my instructor said, you're basically a brown belt level. You're pretty close to the black belt level, you know, a couple of things and blah, blah, blah. So I achieved a, a, a relatively decent level of, of skill and abilities. Um, which I've lost a decent amount of that, obviously, <laughs> since that time, yeah. right? Um, no use it or lose it, right? 100%. Yeah. yeah. But um, the basics of it, I still have, right? Um, the fancy stuff, I couldn't pull off anymore, right. but the basics, I still got. Um, but, so I really dedicated myself purely to jiu-jitsu at this point, right? And so that was for, awesome. that, that was the start for me, right? Very cool. So, yeah. Very cool. So when you think back, it, when you apply some of this again to kind of the spiritual side of it. Sure. Like, how do you, how do you balance kind of both of these sorts of things, would you say? Or I how don't know. I don't people? think I mean, a lot even... about the spiritual aspect okay. of, of jujitsu and stuff like that. I do think about what it can do for me emotionally. I think about what it can do for mm -hmm. me physically. Perfect. Um, and that ties into other things, certainly. Um, you know, we have a little thing that we do before the kids class where we kind of kneels down and closes their eyes Calm. and stuff like yeah. that. And, and I'm not big on like meditation, but my son and I talk about this. Like, what could we do with that time? Okay. And he's like, well, I don't know. I said, well, how about this? Why don't we, before class, why don't we say a quick prayer that nobody gets hurt today? Perfect. After class, when we're doing the same thing, why don't we thank God that nobody got hurt today? Or if they did hurt, get hurt, why don't we ask God to help heal them so they can come back and train again soon, right? So that's the way I make that kind of link, and right? that's Things yeah, along absolutely. those lines. Awesome. Um, but I will tell you, I do notice, like I'm Catholic, I know a lot of Catholics are getting into jiu-jitsu. A lot of them. And it's always the traditionalists. It's like the Latin mass people, like they're all getting into jujitsu <laughs> and stuff like that. Um, like the, the place I go, they, they started a jujitsu club right? and a guy named Taylor Marshall, who's a big what? Catholic uh, podcaster, uh, apologist and stuff like that. He trains jujitsu. Like, so there's a lot of that going on. I'm not sure why what it's the link is there, but like some so sort of search cool. for authenticity, yeah. I think. Right. Cool. Um, a search for um, truth, I think, is a big mm. part of that. Mm. And that's one of the things that's great about jujitsu is it, it does work and you can tangibly prove that it works. There, yeah. And, and whereas in other places, maybe less, less so. Well, right? I think, I mean, even just like spiritual journeys can be our lifelong journeys. 100%. Similar. It's, it, 100%. I don't want to call them like, it's not the same path, but sure. Maybe parallel kinds of paths. Yeah, can I, I'm absolutely complimentary. Maybe. Complimentary. Yeah. Yeah, perfect. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. So thanks. Thanks for that. For sure. Um, so the question you had for Jason I have it on my notes. Mm -hmm. um, the way Jason systemizes his game. Let's get into yeah. that a little bit. I, I have to turn this one over to you, Chris. No, yeah, yeah. No, because um, I guess the way that I've been learning is we kind of, we learn something and then the next class we learn something different and like we, you know, and then maybe in a, a few weeks we learn the same technique we learned three weeks ago. So it, it's kind of like, you know, I'm getting, I'm taking in this information, but it, it's, um, it's a little bit harder to retain everything, which is 
like that's there's just, so much there's so in. much there's yeah. so because there's so many avenues to take right yeah, absolutely and um so i was just thinking because you know i'm trying to build a curriculum for the kids specifically okay. and i want to you know improve in my teaching abilities because i am teaching multiple classes now and so i wanted to improve and that's why i I love picking his brain um, because the way that he has explained when he's teaching classes is I have uh, I systemize it. So if we're in side control, you know, we you break it up you, or I can't I, don't, I can't even think of an example right now, but it's like you break you have this path, this path or this path. So there's like three paths that you could take in this particular position. And then you go through those and that's kind of like the okay. way that yeah. you look at, right? Yeah. Can you explain that I a little think bit? so. I um there's a few things that you touched on there. You talked about right. teaching, you talked about curriculum, <laughs> right, you talked sorry. about jujitsu progression, you talked about all sorts of stuff. Yeah. Um there's a there's a few ways to go with this. Um I'm again, I'm nobody in jujitsu. I'm just a random purple belt. Um, that tries to be quasi-intellectual about what I'm doing. But you're an intellectual. I, I think about it, and I've time. taught for a long time, and I try these things. And so if I'm in a particular position, I feel good if I have an A, B, or C option. Yeah. right? If I have three different paths, I can go, and those paths are reactionary based upon the response that I get. Um, and that's not novel. There's a lot of people talking about this. So a lot of people in jiu-jitsu would call this mind mapping, right? You hear people say mind map in jiu-jitsu. That's what they like do. I use they process put a, mapping at work all the time. It's a yep. flow chart, right? Mm -hmm. You got exactly. XYZ, decision trees, right? Yep. I love decision trees. Mm -hmm. uh, and so if it, you get this and then it's, oh, if yes, go here. If no, go there. And mm -hmm. I, I describe it sometimes when I'm teaching classes and I've been um, blessed to teach more recently in daytime classes and stuff like that. I teach it almost like a choose your own adventure mystery, right? You're choosing, <laughs> do awesome. I want to go through this door it's or that door? It, and then this takes you down a path. Oh, you screwed up. You just got choked out, right? And so, you know, just like a choose your own adventure, skip to the end of the book, you know you're dying, right? Yeah, it's, exactly. it's, it's, it's what it is. And so um, you just the skip, you just skip to the end of the book and John sing and take you out to the ball game while he's giving you a baseball bat choke. It's right. just the name of the game, right? And so All the time. it's just what it is. Or he's humming or something, right? It's just uh, <laughs> very rude, sir, by the way. At you. Um, but that's kind of how I'm thinking about things, right? Mm -hmm. And and I steal all this stuff from other people. It's not like I came up with no, this, that's, but I do try to synthesize. And okay. I think that's one of the things that even in my own teaching and my own research and stuff like yeah. that, I'm not the best exercise physiologist on the planet. I'm not the best biomechanist on the planet. I'm not the best at motor learning. But what I probably do better than most, I would think, is I synthesize. I can okay. marry, I can see the way biomechanics links to motor learning and links to physiology and links to anatomy and links to sports medicine and links to nutrition and all those things, right? I, because I've had to teach all that stuff together, actually in the same class. And so that helps me a lot in jujitsu because I see the links between positions in ways that I might not have seen otherwise. Like, oh, standing with overhook is the same as dogfight. Mm -hmm. It's the same. Mm -hmm. We're in the exact same body orientation. We have mm -hmm. basically the same options. I can go to your back. I can dump you. I can come underneath. I have basically the same choices that I have in those positions because the body relationship is the same, mm -hmm. if that makes any sort of sense. Yeah, right? absolutely. Mm -hmm. And so I think about that a lot when I'm, when I'm training and how do I make my own game and make it work? And then also when I'm teaching, how do I make this able so that I'm able to communicate it and make it tangible to somebody, right? Um, so that's a big part of it. And I was listening to um, Donner, actually, John Donner a couple weeks ago. And, and Donner's a smart dude, and I, and I like a lot of the stuff he has to say. Um, he talked about something called Pareto's Principle. Pareto is a, was an economist, I believe. And basically what Pareto said was that 
20% of the input determines 80% of the output, right? And that's this 20-80 relationship. Some people, you've heard it, maybe heard it called the 80-20 rule. Yeah. It, it's out there, it's right? It's common, all yeah. over the place. It shows up in psychology and a whole bunch of different fields. And basically what it says is that 20% of the things that you put into something are going to determine 80% of the results of something, right? right? So for my own game, it's, I fo it's, it translates into a focus on fundamentals. 20% mm. of the techniques in jiu-jitsu probably determine 80% of the outcome of jiu-jitsu. Right? Think about Gordon Ryan. What does he do that's flashy? There's nothing that's flashy. No. No, he smashes, I, I, I he takes the back and chokes the life out it. of you, yeah. right? Like that's exactly what he, he does. He, he smash passes, he's a pressure passer. He talks about Hodger Gracie being a huge influence on his game and stuff like that. And Hodger Gracie can choke out anybody in the world with blue belt jiu-jitsu, right? He could walk in right now and cross-collar choke all of us and probably nothing we could do about it, right? Mm -hmm. It's just the way it is. And so I, I really think about that in how can I make a game that I can still do? I'm 50 now. Not 40, How can I do it when I'm 60 and I'm 70? Like, do yeah. I have to change my game or don't I? And I don't want to have to. Right. I want to have the same game. That doesn't mean occasionally I don't throw out some things. A little flashy. A couple there. things. Yeah. But in yeah. general, yeah. everybody in the room kind of knows what I'm going to do before the <laughs> round even starts, right? Like, it's fairly The game is constant. It's stable. It, it yeah. is. Now, I'm polishing certain aspects of it. Sure. My open guard has changed dramatically over the past few months working with Coach John. Like, I'm doing some X guard stuff that I never would have done before. Okay. Right? Um, and, and so there are things that's like... That's the learning. That's also it is. cool to learn it is. new it's stuff, It is. Totally right? cool, I mean, right? Fun. It's super fun yeah. to do. Um, so that's part of it. Um, so like half guard passing, for example, is a good one. Like I, you know, have this path, this path, and this path, depending upon mm -hmm. the response that somebody does, but there's underlying principles of it that are unifying, right. That don't change. Um, that if I don't control the person's hips, then I'm not going to be able to do X. If I don't elevate their hips here, then I'm not going to be able to get my leg out of their half guard. If I don't smash their shoulders, I'm not going to be able to get away. They're going to be able to hip out and take my back. Right. So those things don't change regardless of which pass. It's always, those are that, constant. Those have to be there. Yeah. They have to be there, right? Otherwise, it just doesn't That's happen. Because I'm not going to out-athlete some 20-year-old, you know, Strength. former gymnast yeah. uh, or whatever yeah. the case mm -hmm. may be. Those are perishable uh, attributes, right? Um, but hopefully, I can out-technique them and out-think them, right? And right now, I'm still in the phase where I try to hang with all the 20-year-olds, and I try to go round for round with them. Uh, when I'm not beat up or hurt, you know, yeah. <laughs> uh, but that will probably tail off, sure. you know? Um, so we'll see but what it that's is. That's where you, but with age comes wisdom. Yeah. You would hope, and, right? Well, you hope. Yeah. And some of it take longer than others. And I'm living example of that. Some breaths and, and, no, for sure. You have no idea. <laughs> It'll be there. Don't worry. Not from what I see. You have no I idea. That's because you caught me when I was 49. Yeah. Not when well, I was when... 29. Well, there you <laughs> so, go. It's happens. a different thing, right? Yeah. And so that's different than teaching, yeah, right? And absolutely. you talked a lot about teaching there too. And there's there's a ton of research out there on pedagogy, the science of teaching, or on motor learning. Like how do you actually teach physical skills in a tangible way that's going to facilitate learning and retention, right? Now, learning is a weird thing because you can't directly measure it. True. You yeah. can infer learning. Testing. That's you the only can. way to infer it, right? And that's one way. Right. But then what does the testing look like? Exactly. And that's the real question. So what are the marks of learning? Well, the marks of learning are permanence. It doesn't go away. Okay. okay. Adaptability. You can apply it to different situations and contexts. Right. So you think about things like retention tests. Do they retain it over time? Yeah. Right. Transfer tests. Does it transfer from one situation to another? 
right? Um, those are the types of things that you can use to actually try to tell if learning has taken place. Okay, so now you got a way to actually measure it, right? How do you actually yep. facilitate it, right? And what, what Crystal talked about is what's really, really common in, in jujitsu, right? Show up, you learn your territory techniques, and then you roll, and then you go home, and you show back up, and you go to the next day. And there may or may not be some sort of schedule or plan. And, and I'm not the first one to say this. Hiron and Henry Gracie have been, been railing about this for years, right? About having a curriculum that has a logical and systematic progression to it, okay. right? This problem is more manifested when you have multiple people teaching. And they're not consistent. They're not consistent even with the way they do things. In the curriculum. So, well, even, well, even if there is no, even if there was a curriculum. Okay. Right. Like how many ways are there to do an arm bar? How many ways are there to set up a triangle? How many ways are there to pass close guard? Right. This is a problem for new people. Yeah. Because there's a lot of research on what's called uh, practice variability. And practice variability basically talks about, do you have the same way of doing it every time? Or are you learning a different way of doing the same skill? So that can come down to the teacher. 100%. The instructor that taught me, that taught is you, the person that down right? that yeah. path, right? Yeah. And what the research typically says is that for beginners, monotonous training is better. Okay. It's better. This, the drilling. This the is drilling. the way the to do an arm bar. This is the way to stand up in base. This is the way to pass closed guard. This is the way to do an asotagari. Okay. Right? And then you get a further down the road and now you learn a variation and then you get a little further down the road and now you have a few more variations and a few more variations. And eventually that person is going to settle in on the variation that works best for their body style, yeah. whatever the case may be. Now that adaptability may need to happen early because if coach John is trying to teach me the way to do a triangle or to do a sweep or something like that, I may not have the flexibility or my legs may be too long to get my knee in in a way that, that Crystal can do. Like she can sneak her, I roll with her. She can sneak her knee in on side control, like with just. It seems like a teeny little bit of space. Now I'm probably leaving a huge gap, but it feels like there's a teeny little bit of space, right? I cannot do that. So I cannot escape side control the same way that she's going to escape side yeah. control, right? But he made it to show me a way to do it from day one. And that's my way and I stick with it. And then he shows her a way to do it on day one. And that's her way and she sticks with it, right? And then eventually you get another way and another way and another way and another way. And you collect those things and you, then you develop a system of getting out of side control, right? That works for you, right? And then you just spam those different escapes back and forth and you eventually figure out a way out right hopefully right unless it's coach bill and then you don't figure out a way out and you just <laughs> this is my life i'm going to stay here for the next five minutes and that's what it is Nothing. right yeah. um but that's the thing right and so the teaching aspect of it is really important like i wish all jiu-jitsu coaches take a motor learning class all martial arts classes, coaches in general i think would be greatly benefit from a motor learning class here's how to organize practice Here's how to give feedback. There's a whole body of scientific literature on how to do augmented feedback. Yeah. Right. Um, here's how to, to test progress and actually measure. Did it happen? Mm -hmm. Right. Um, I'll give you a, a, a simple example, right? Telling people what to do in the middle of a live role, good or bad. Bad. I'm thinking probably. Yeah. Right. I agree, but everybody does it. Absolutely. Everybody does it. Right. <laughs> yeah. Go to uh, a, a jiu-jitsu competition. Coach is yelling at you, uh, do the triangle. Do it, right? Everybody's doing it. And you and, can't see it. You can't hear it. You, you, well, focused, or you right? can. I mean, you can. And it jacks you all up, right? This is called concurrent feedback. And there's a okay. whole body of literature on this. And consistently, what the literature shows is that it actually hinders learning. Okay. It's a in-the-moment bump in performance that creates the impression of learning. But then when they come back to test retention or transfer 
It's not there. Mm. Okay. It's not there. And we're as guilty of it. We're not alone. No, I mean, it happens been, even in the middle I, I, projects I'm working no, outside of 100%. jiu-jitsu or something like that. It's like, Elite level athletes done do this. this. The best athletes in the world yeah. and coaches in the world are doing this. I I, um, I worked for the USA Track and Field High Performance Center at USA Nationals a couple times. And, okay. and I was out there. We're, we're collecting all this videography that we're going to use for biomechanical analysis and stuff like that. And I can hear coaches in the stands okay. work on your arms swing yeah. in the middle of a race and i'm like it just stops it's, too it's late the worst possible yeah. thing that you could say right it, it's you're 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 changing their focus internally mm-hmm. when you should be driving their focus externally in the first place which is a totally it's different competition concept. time versus learning it is and even in general time, right? external focus of attention is almost always better okay now you can't completely get away from driving an internal focus of attention you put your hand here, move your hips here, think yeah. about your, tuck your chin. Those things have to happen sometimes. But whenever possible, you should be thinking about driving an external focus of attention most of the time. What yeah. do you mean by that? Do this to that person. Frame them off this way, right? Push off the ground like this, right? Drive their shoulders over this way. That's me doing something to you. It's changing how I focus my attention. I'm focusing on what I'm doing to you. I'm not focusing on where I put my hands. Does that make sense? And there's a whole body of research on feedback and how that changes the things that you say influence the person's focus of attention. Okay. And in general, you want to create it externally if you can. So that's like kick, taking a soccer analogy. It's like kick the ball this way. Kick the ball through the goal or put it on their left side or whatever. Not Don't focus on putting your foot on the ball this, this way. Right. Because you naturally yes. will figure out the way it's, to kick it there. It's not possible to 100% do that, or at least it's really, really, really challenging. But for the most part, it is possible. Okay. For the most part, it is possible. It's, okay. Right? Um, and so that's a factor too. So now you've got concurrent feedback versus what's called summary feedback, giving it to them afterwards. Like pulling them over after the roll and said, hey, you know, when you're stuck in this position, this is the thing you could think about. Or, hey, you did this, and this is why you ended up getting your back taken. Right or whatever the that's case, kind of like a critique. And that's cool. That's a, yeah. it's it's called summary feedback. Okay, it's feedback that happens yeah. after the fact. It's right. a critique. It's an after action review. It's a yeah. um, after action analysis. Money more quarterbacking. If you want yeah, to call it that, yeah. there's any number of things that you could call it. But the bottom line is, it actually is better after. than giving them the feedback in the middle okay. of. That's the, the performance. That's really good to know. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's, I think it actually we all, hinders their learning a great we, deal. We, think we all do it. And it, I've been guilty of it too. I'm not, I'm the first on myself it, here. And it's a right. positive thing because we're, none of us have negative intentions. You legitimately want to help. Yeah. yeah. And that's yeah. it. But that's yeah. Like, so like, cool for instance, if I have like some of the kids yeah. and I do want to give them feedback while they're on the mats. So then I would say, instead of come up and do a hip bump sweep, is that external or internal? You're driving their their, their mind to a technique. Mm-hmm. Um, it's That's probably going to create external focus. It's not a guarantee because you're just throwing out name of a technique, right? You're right. not saying push them off of you or um, bridge your hips. Bridge your hips would be creating an internal focus of attention, okay. right? And, and you're so, saying not, you don't want to focus on the internal. You want to in focus general, on- no. Okay. It's not completely avoidable. Okay. It really is. You have to link. And even and this is and, and it's even harder for kids yeah. to teach yeah. kids this way. Um, but it's not any really different. When I was teaching doctoral physical therapy students, teaching them to teach their patients this way mm-hmm. was a challenge. Like, how do we get our students to teach their patients in a way that is actually an in, internal focus of attention, right? Yeah. Um, so kind of a train the trainer mentality, right? right? Yeah. And and it's not easy to do. You 
you can do it and it will, you'll get better at it over time. Once you make it a conscious focus to do it, right. You'll develop ways to say uh, ways of doing things that create external versus internal focus. But again, it's not completely avoidable, but it's more preferable if you can to create external focus. Okay. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. Thank you for that. You're very welcome. Yeah. Yeah. So one of the things that you, you kind of pointed out to us is you wanted to, chat about and i think we're going to go down a little bit of a, a hole here potentially probably. if i think i know where you're going where is it Which evidence-based practices oh, okay. Okay. pseudoscience yeah so before we get into that it's because instagram the world of social 100%. media there's a billion different trainers and sure. people in sure. you know and like i want a million hits on my whatever 100 and it's a lot of it is 100 just bs Point frank, mm -hmm. Right. And yeah. you have to be careful of that because you also don't want to get injured or you don't want people to get injured for sure or trying new things. It's like, you know, it's, it's we aren't in the world of the thigh master anymore. Really, right. Right. You know right. what I mean? Where you're like, you but it's it. the same thing. <laughs> it's the same idea. Right. It's yeah. not new. Right. You know, before it was in the back of Marsh at Black Belt magazine or in the back of the Perfect. Sears catalog yep. or whatever the case may be. It's not a new <laughs> right. thing. Right. It's been there forever. Right. The snake oil kind 100%. of stuff, right? There's a lot of well-intentioned people. And then there's a lot of people who are just frank, frankly trying to make a buck and they don't care who they hurt yep. or who they help in the process. And so I do try to draw, draw a distinction between those things. Okay. There's a, when I started my first job post PhD at a, a, a George Mason university and our department chair was a guy named Dave Wiggins, great guy. He had a quote and I love the quote and I can't remember the person who said the quote now, but it was somebody from like 1979. It was in the AFERD, which is like the American association for physical education, recreation and dance. Also, it was like, used to be the umbrella organization for all the people who do what I do. Okay. And everybody's kind of split up now. Right. Um, but he basically said this, and I'm going to paraphrase it cause I can't get it perfect, but it's, it says now more than ever being sincere is not enough. We must also be right. It's not enough to be well-meaning. You got to still know what you're talking about. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right. And if I could, any takeaway message to this podcast I could get, like I could leave, drop the mic moment and walk away. It would be this, use the same level of scrutiny for your health, fitness and recovery methodologies and nutrition methodologies that you do for your martial arts. Jiu-Jitsu people are very skeptical of other martial arts with very good reason. Because for many, many, many years, there was all this nonsense in martial arts. Oh, the one-punch kill, the yeah. no-touch knockout, right? These chi masters and McDojo is still doing that. There used to be a guy on YouTube had all these videos. He's called the Pink Man or something. He had all these videos calling out these martial arts frauds. There's entire martial arts forums, Bullshito, and others that, that do this, right? Mm -hmm. I wish that Jiu-Jitsu people would use the same level of skepticism and demand the same level of rigor in their training, in their teaching, in their nutrition, and in their recovery that they do for their martial arts. I, I really wish it would happen, right? And it wouldn't take much. Okay. It wouldn't take much. I'm not saying people have to go get PhDs, but you could spend a half hour and watch a couple of YouTube videos and learn some basics of research design, some basics of how to control for validity. And you could look and see if there's studies on these things that are out there. Like I posted something on my Instagram the other day. Um, I was trying to stir up some, I'm, I'm kind of got the point where I'm so frustrated about this. I'm going to start just starting some controversy. I think <laughs> I'm going to start posting some stuff like this. I generally keep my professional world and my jujitsu world different. Okay. Like I only do jujitsu on Instagram. All right. I don't do anything personal typically right on my Facebook. I don't do anything martial arts or professional. All, that's your personal, my Twitter. I do whatever professional. Okay. Perfect. Okay, right. Gotcha. So I keep these worlds distinct. 
intentionally. But I'm also getting really annoyed at all the garbage that's out there, right? The first thing to realize, I think, is there's zero standard whatsoever in the fitness world about what can claims people can make. This goes for dietary supplements. This goes for fitness equipment. This goes for recovery methodologies. Anybody can call themselves a personal trainer. Anybody can call themselves a strength coach. Anybody can call themselves a recovery specialist, right? Okay. Anybody can say that. And so there's no standard there. Just like anybody could go put themselves a black belt on if they really wanted to. Right, absolutely. Right? And there's all these videos out there about fake black belts and people calling them out and stuff like that. They're very entertaining. And I've watched a few of them too because I think it's pretty fun, right? right. Um, I'm not immune to the, 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 the traffic wreck oh look you know uh, kind of thing that, <laughs> yeah. that could happen right um but there's there's very little regulation of the fitness community there's very little regulation of strength and conditioning and just because you look good in a tight polo does not mean you know what you're talking about it's true right so what's the first step the first step is to look and see if has there been any research done on this thing whatsoever right um great example is something like stretching stretching good or bad Depends what kind. Depends. And when and why yeah. and what for. Yeah. Whereas 20 years ago or even 10 years ago, absolutely stretching prevents injuries. And I absolutely right? stretching. And hold, static holds. Absolutely stretching <laughs> improves your strength. Absolutely. It's going to keep you from getting sore. It doesn't do any of those things. Right. Not one of them. And there's tons of research on it now. I've done some of the research. Um, my doctoral advisor was the person who did the very first study on this. Um, and looked at what happened to muscle strength when you stretch. Nobody ever asked the question. It's true. Never. I, nobody I, had ever asked the question. It's kind of more recent that that's yeah, come out. Yeah, it was 98 like, was the very first study okay, that came that's out. What I'm thinking, yeah. But it took probably 15 years before it started showing up in textbooks. Okay. Right? And now it's even still a debate, right? So there's a lot of this kind of garbage out there. Right. And I wish that jujitsu practitioners would uh, demand more rigor from these things. And there's some people doing some really cool stuff. Are too. there any places people could just go, like you said, just taking yeah, there's like a few things, like yeah, well, key terms that people could sure. search? Um, like, because it's, it's getting sure. away from the gimmicks, right? And that's really 100%. what we don't want. So you're talking about like journals or Yeah, well, I wouldn't even see journals. They, like, go to, pub, to, go go to PubMed. PubMed, okay. PubMed, if you search PubMed, and then there's gonna be a search bar that pops up. And this is the National Library of Medicine's research database. Okay. And there's a lot of journals that are indexed on this. Most of them are good, some are not so good, but it's a good first step. Okay. Okay. And you can type, type the search in for the thing that you're interested in knowing about and then find out, has there even been any studies done on like this? Like on stretching. Stretching and injury. What? Okay. Type in those that query, that Boolean phrase, stretching and injury, right? And you're gonna find there's been a lot of studies on this, right? Okay. Um, what about one I saw recently and a very a famous big name jujitsu practitioner doing this and showing it on his Instagram and basically hocking it, right? It's like red light therapy. Mm -hmm. I just talked to somebody about yes. that. Maybe there's a no data research out there on this in any way, shape or form whatsoever. Interesting. And mm -hmm. if you're pushing it on somebody, you may believe that it's actually valuable and you may have the best of intentions, but you should stop. Are you going to get a placebo effect? You perhaps? can, and we'll talk about it. I'll give you a funny example of a placebo, a very powerful example of a placebo effect in a bit, okay? okay. Because that's an important aspect of this. Yeah. Understanding what placebo effect means. Well, I feel like it makes me better. Yeah, that doesn't mean anything. It doesn't mean anything. A, you feel like it helps you doesn't yeah. mean anything. It doesn't mean it's helping you, okay? Um, 
so when I was at LSU and I was, and I was doing my PhD, I was strength coaching. Um, and we had a guy, um, and I don't want to name names, but he was a wonderful running back, a freshman running back. And he set the SEC record, uh, for rushing yards as a freshman. And then the uh, first game, no, the, 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 the spring game before his sophomore year, he tore his ACL. Okay. And so could not play basically all of his sophomore year. Right. And then he never could trust his knee again. He had it repaired. Great orthopedic surgeons had a world-class athletic training room to go in the it's best, the the best care you on. could yeah, ask for, absolutely. right? And really high level care. Okay. And wonderful people. I know them. One of the, the guys did my, one of my shoulder surgeries. And so I know the people, right? Yeah. Um, but he could never bring himself to trust his knee again. And he wouldn't cut. He would pull up. And structurally, there was, out again, structurally there was nothing wrong yeah. with it. Right. We rehabbed him. We got him back. He should do strength and conditioning for a whole year. And he wouldn't blow it up. He wouldn't go. He wouldn't flip the switch. Right. And we were sitting around in the, the weight room, in the, in the strength room, in the head coach's office, Tommy Moffitt. And we were on a Sunday night and we, we used to come in on Sundays in the fall to kind of talk about the week, who's hurt, who's not, who's able to go, who had a good game, who didn't, what do we need to work on this week? What do we got to think about? And we were talking about this guy and Tommy Moffitt looks and says, guys, we've got to find something. We've got to, it doesn't need to be real. It just need to be some sort of snake oil here. <laughs> right. And so I, I said, well, I got it, the thing. And so there's this uh, ointment, like a Chinese ointment called Dit De Jiao, and you may have heard of this. If you're in the time, it's like Tiger Balm. It's it's mm. it's basically okay. a topical analgesic, yep. right? That doesn't really do anything to the tissue, mm -hmm. um, but it can create the perception of a reduction in pain, mm -hmm. and and all those types of things. And that can have benefits, and what, we can talk about that too. But bottom line is this: we ordered some. Moffat orders. And he found it online. He orders some of his little teeny jar. It's like 50 bucks for this little, like one ounce of it, right? Oh my God. And so we brought him and said, ah, okay, we got this stuff. It's amazing, right? This is going to fix your knee. It's going to be great, whatever. And I'm sitting there, oh my gosh, I can't believe this. Let's I, just see I, I participating in this process. <laughs> and he, it's Moffat, rubs this all over his knee. Right? Psychological Jedi test mind case, him. right? Yeah. Jedi <laughs> mind tricked him, right? Yeah. And he's like, starts moving his knees. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I feel, I feel it. Right. And he goes out in the indoor training facility, starts running like a madman. And the whole the strength staff, the athletic trainers over there, they'll go, did the job? Or just yell. It's crazy, right? He felt right as rain. Now, he never turned back into the back that he was as a true freshman, right? It never happened for him again, unfortunately. And there's a lot of reasons there. But the bottom line was that stuff did nothing. It did nothing. It was, it was a a, a placebo, a transitory placebo that helped him in that particular moment, but it didn't really make any difference in his actual ability. Yeah. And that's the danger is you're, you're giving yourself false hope. You're telling yourself things that don't really, uh, or have no basis in fact, in basics and truth. Right. And so that's the, the challenge here is to find things that actually work. And so you go on PubMed, you find, is it, is there something there, right? Is there actually research that's been done on this? And then the next question becomes, is the research actually good? Okay, if you find out some of the basic journals in kind of sports science and sports medicine that are reputable, you can narrow that down to a fair degree, okay. right? And you could go on YouTube and look up some basics of study design and basics of internal validity. Like, I'll give you an, a neat example, sports supplements. Okay, easy, perfect. Easy it's, one it's to look at. Right? billion dollar industry. Billion right? dollar industry. Yeah. Uh, probably more, right? Probably yeah. billions at this yeah, point, yeah. right? Yeah. And some of them really, really, really work. 
Creatine monohydrate works. And there's thousands of studies on this. Okay. Okay. Other things, not so much. They give you really expensive urine, but that's about all they do. Right. <laughs> and so like, oh, great. I'm pissing all this stuff out, but it's not doing anything actually right. real. Right. Yeah. Now, there's a lot of research out there on a lot of supplements. And some of the research is actually very supportive, but you've got to be careful because a lot of those people, and I know some of these people, and I'm actually friends with a number of these people, their whole research agenda is being funded by these supplement companies. And so, so there they, is a potential for bias. I was just going to say. Okay. Even unintentional bias. Because they don't want to lose their funding well, or whatever, right? They I mean, theoretically. Be, I've done, I've been involved in one supplement study. Okay. And we had total autonomy to report whatever we, we found and to do things like that. But it's not always the case. And so where I'm going with this is, is, is this. Somebody could have the best of intentions and, and, and have no conscious bias whatsoever and, and legitimately want to know what works and what doesn't work and still interject subconscious bias into the research process. Okay. okay? So something very simple that can be done to control for internal validity is that the person who's actually doing the data analysis is not the person doing the data collection. Okay. It's so you don't blind the, the, the person who's doing analysis yeah. is blinding themselves to the data okay. collection process. That makes sense. And they're also not the same people who did the training. If it's a training study, for example, if it was an intervention study, the person who are running the intervention from day to day should not be the same people who do the testing pre and post and should not be the same people who are doing so the data analysis. Blind they're blinded to each other, okay. right? And I was part of a, a group that just published a study looking at internal validity practices of strength and conditioning research. We just got it published uh, like three or four weeks ago. Um, and what you find is that the studies where they do a good job of controlling for internal validity, they find smaller change, Okay. even if they had the best of intentions. And I'm throwing rocks at myself here because I've done studies where I was the guy doing the intervention, doing the testing, doing the analysis, do because I was the guy like for yeah. my master's thesis or something. I was the one running the day-to-day -day training. Yeah. I did all the stuff. I ran all the stats. I did everything right. And I was trying to do it right. It wasn't. As good as it could have been. Yeah, if you so, were peer reviewed or something, to be like, well, hey, I did get it published, okay. right? And, and so you can get. That's the point is you can get these things published, even if the internal validity is not perfect. Gotcha. So now, being a good consumer of research, knowing some basics of research design, would say this: I'm going to pay less attention to studies where they didn't blind the okay. researcher, where they didn't do a good job of controlling for internal validity, right? Because not all studies are created equal, right? Right. There's good studies and there's less good studies. And you could probably throw a few of mine in the less good category, right? I would do it very differently now than I did as a that's master's student for curve. my thesis, right? Yeah, I'm right. way, that's yeah. 20 years ago, right? Mm -hmm. So hopefully I've improved since then, right? Um, but that's the thing, right? So how do you arm yourself with information so that you can to spot the lay person. for the layperson right. is go look, see if there's any data on it at all. Has anybody done it? And then B, just look up some simple basics. And there's some very user-friendly, layperson-friendly uh, websites and things out there that you can go to and look for it. If you just search internal validity for beginners or research methods for beginners, you're going to find something out there that can that can help you at critically appraise, do, is this a study I want to look at versus okay. that? Yeah. And just because they have credentials after their name doesn't mean they're good. Yeah. It's a minimum standard. It's a minimum You've standard. Met the minimum to just like there's black belts and then there's black belts. Yeah, there's a minimum standard, right? Um, there's physical therapists and then there's physical therapists. Yeah, there's PhDs, then there's PhDs, and, and there's ATs and there's ATs. I mean, it's just licensure is here. Don't hurt somebody. 
Here's don't kill somebody. We want to make sure you're safe to practice. It's not a guarantee of competence. That's an interesting. There's good physicians and bad physicians. It's true. Yeah, absolutely. There's good mechanics and bad. There's good chefs and bad chefs. Why wouldn't there be good coaches and bad coaches? Why wouldn't there be good personal trainers and bad personal trainers or good physical therapists or good physicians or good athletic trainers or whatever, right? There's a bell curve of everything. Mm -hmm. If you can do it, there's a bell curve of it. Okay. Right. There's a bell curve of purple belts in crystal iron or somewhere on that scale. Right. I don't want to know where it is. I don't <laughs> like, want to know where it is. Don't ever tell me this. I'll be blissfully ignorant for the rest of my life fair, on this, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, but but that's the reality of it, right? That's the reality okay. of it. And so knowing these things so that you can have some basic chances of spotting the snake oil, right? And then the second thing is this. If you're a jiu-jitsu coach, you have a level of influence. Absolutely. If you're a big name jiu-jitsu coach, like a Machado or a Gracie or a Donaher or somebody like that, right? Be careful of what you're putting I was out say, there. I think it's even more Be important Be careful for those what folks you're putting out there. The Don't start endorsing random crap just to make some extra money. Yeah. Right? Have some ethics and don't start just endorsing random crap to make and admit what you don't know. Yeah. If you're one of your 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 uh jujitsu students comes to you for nutrition advice and you don't know anything about nutrition, just shut up and say you don't know anything about nutrition. Pass them along to somebody or pass try them on to somebody them. who does. Right. right. If you don't know anything about biomechanics or injury or strength and conditioning or whatever, stop pretending you do. Right. There's an ethical level that we should get to. Right. And jujitsu students should expect that level of ethical behavior from their jujitsu coaches. Absolutely. Right. There's been a huge thing in recent years about, you know, um, sexual predators in jujitsu, jujitsu coaches that take advantage of their students. And this is nothing new in martial arts. It's been around a very long time, yeah. right? It's not new in education at all. There's plenty of teachers who have this problem, mm -hmm. right? Well, if this is not that, but it's still unethical. If you don't know anything about sport and nutrition, just say you don't know anything about sport and nutrition. You don't have to be the end all be all to everybody. And I've been guilty of this too. Like people ask me questions about things and I don't know the answer. You want to. I want to know. Yeah. I don't like saying I don't know, right? I saying I don't know stinks, <laughs> but it's the truth. Yeah, it's fair. Right? And so I think we need to demand that of our jujitsu coaches and jujitsu coaches need to demand it of each other. They need Holding to demand it of themselves. Right. Jujitsu coaches should not be influencers. They shouldn't be. But they are naturally. They are, but they Viper. shouldn't be. They should be about jujitsu. Yeah. Not like, the here's other how stuff. to do a better arm bar. Agreed. Here's how to make better tactical decisions in the middle of a roll. Uh, things along those lines, right. right? Here's how to be fall so you don't get hurt, right? Those things they can That's be an influencer skill. on. But don't right. be an influencer on strength and conditioning unless you know it. Right. Don't be an influencer on sport nutrition or injury prevention or injury recovery or mm -hmm. recovery modalities or whatever the case may be, right? Unless you know it. And, and there's way too much of that going on. And it's more and more and more creeping into jiu-jitsu. And it just it. pisses yeah. me off. You see it. it I really think does. we're, at Subcon, I think we're pretty protected from that. I think so, like too. It's a, it's a I agree. small, tight enough group. Well, it is a tight enough group, it. but it also starts at the top. Yeah. The coaches know what they don't know. Mm -hmm. There's a humility there. Yeah. Right? And you see that manifested in other ways. Like, nobody at Submission Concepts is afraid if you go train somewhere else and bring that stuff back. No, right. Absolutely. Why? Because they're humble. 
They don't mm-hmm. care if you get it somewhere else as long as you come share it. Right. That's kind of the goal. <laughs> right. Like just you don't, better share. Just don't hoard it. Right. <laughs> that's the only thing that anybody cares about. But there's no. I'm the only one that knows. And, uh, there's no expectation that you're not going to train with anybody else, right. or you can't do it this way because the grand poobah that we're under the association was did it this way. And I've trained at jujitsu places that were like that. Oh, you can't do it this way because Helson didn't do it that way, or so and so didn't do it that way. Right. Okay. It happens. Yeah. Even in jujitsu. Right. And so. That is a cultural thing that's unique a little bit about Subcon. That's one of the many things I enjoy about Subcon. We could go on for a while about all the things I love about Subcon, but that's one of those things. Okay. It's definitely one of them. That's interesting. Yeah. I mean, it kind of gets, you said a lot. And kind of know, going, I'm no, far. that's totally fine. I can't I shut up when I get going about tangents. this. Stuff. But the good thing about it is, and I get fired it, up too. It really so does, I think it, it, it becomes out, due diligence on ourselves to be, protective of our, our own health nobody and else can do it ones for and you. our friends and our family you like, have to take ownership over your health literacy absolutely, absolutely. Right? because there's yeah. always there's always something I there is know. and you can't know Forever, everything there's going to be something you can't know everything right, right? it's like uh, i'm drinking it's, it's this the... thing right here it's some recovery drink for sure and like it may or may not be good. it's pretty much all right. sugar right? yeah right you know yeah. what i mean but it's recovery well but no sugar tastes can help good. with recovery tastes good you know, carbs I mean? are big. <laughs> yeah. Insulin drives protein synthesis. Those so things are go. powerful. So now you right? make me feel better. Yeah. See, yourself. I'm here to help you. Buddy. Exactly. Yeah. Right. So, so my, yeah, my athletic trainer used to say uh, chocolate milk and Skittles. Yeah. No, no. Yeah. No, no, low fat chocolate milk is a, a mainstay of the old school yeah. kind of recovery drink absolutely. mentality. Right. Yeah. And it tastes good. It does too. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. I still yeah. do that every once in a while. You should. Like at the top of the convenience you store, you're like, you, when you yeah. bonked from the whole like a hard workout, you're like, I just yeah, need a hit of something, right? So yeah, yeah, absolutely. So I mean, you've basically covered like what you talked about. You went through a ton of my notes, which was awesome. So we've I gone... knew that I was gonna have a hard time slowing the train That's down perfect. once that got no, going because I get fired up about awesome. this stuff, right? Yeah. Um, I hate pe- seeing people get hurt. Don't have to get hurt. Absolutely. We need better coaching. Coaching mm-hmm. education in the United States is awful. And it's not just in martial arts. It's awful in general. So we talked about, we've talked about this. Oh, oh I talked about this. I had, um, oh, I can't remember his name. From Matador. The, uh, Elias? Elias. Dr. Elias. on, And he's a physical uh, therapist, trainer, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. does those sorts of things. And I, was, I actually brought up one, one of the things is you were talking about coaching, yeah. especially with younger kids. Yes. Right? And pushing kids to be to like almost overtrain, right? When 100%. like a, think of a kid throwing a baseball, yes, a hundred times a day, yes, and as hard as he could, he's gonna get yeah. Tommy John. Hundred percent, right? he's gonna burn his arm out. Yes, and that was one of the things that he was saying. It's like you have to at younger kids' ages, you have to train them. You have to train them, teach them to be very methodical and mechanical, one hundred percent, and not overdoing it. I would agree. Um, what are your thoughts? Kind of going when we start looking at an age kind of yeah. level. Like we hit a certain maturity, and I even see kind of adults that are overdoing certain things. Well, I also agree. Yeah. Like, you have to know. Well, overtraining is a real thing. Yeah. Um, and it has a specific definition. And a lot of times what we what people think of as overtraining is actually under recovery. Okay. Um, overtraining is defined as a decrease in performance. So it's not about feeling. It's not about sleep. It's not about loss of appetite or any of those things. It's a decrease in performance that does not return when you give the person adequate rest and nutrition. Okay. So sleep may be a factor of that. It may be a symptom of overtraining, 
loss of appetite may be a symptom of overtraining. Irritability may be a symptom of overtraining, but it's not the defining characteristic of overtraining. It's a decrease in performance. So I want to establish that up front because we're going to throw around some terms. Okay. I want to make sure the terms are specific. I try to be as clear as I can. I don't always meet the mark, but I do <laughs> That's fair. make an effort, right? So now, children, right? I think the first thing to think about when, when with teaching and training kids is to avoid early specialization. That's the biggest factor. It's not about how much as much as it is, and how much is a factor for sure, don't get me wrong. But early specialization is the probably the biggest factor, okay. right? So way back in the day, back in the Cold War era, the Soviets and all that, they had amazing sports scientists over there, and they still do. It's hard to trust a lot of that data because they use a lot of performance-enhancing drugs. I was going to say, it kind of been tainted over the years. they did do of, a lot of really good stuff. Some amazing okay. sports scientists out there. The bedrock of a lot of what we know about periodization and program design and how to progress people comes out of a lot of that work, right? Guys like Paul Yesis and Medvedev and Bergashansky and all these things, they were doing amazing stuff, right? And if you read the literature on that, what you would see is they looked at something called early specialization versus multilateral training, which basically means, do you take some kid and say, I want him to be a, a dancer, or I want him to be a pianist, or I want him to be a jujitsu world champion. And that's what they do. And that's all they that's do. That's all they do right. every day from the time they're four until they're whatever, right? And you do see some of that. You have Tiger Woods. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. You have you Mozart. Gymnasts. Mozart's or, dad yeah. was a composer. You think he's got any music theory when he was at home? He probably did, right. right? You have the Williams sisters, right? But for every Tiger Woods, there's a thousand or ten thousand kids that get burnt out and they peak when they're 15. And that's what the literature shows. They will peak sooner, but almost always they will peak lower. Okay. When they early specialize. Right? They will peak sooner. Okay. They will get better faster because they're, they're dedicating, peak, more, time because they're dedicating more time to it. Yeah. But they will almost always peak lower than they would have otherwise. Right. And injury rates will be far higher. Makes sense. Okay. So what because did the they're over what did the Soviets, now the Russians, do with that? Well, if you go to and you look at the practices for like Russian wrestlers, they produce some of the best wrestlers in the world, right? Absolutely. Without yeah. question. Judo, sambo, um, dancing. Their ballet is world-class. It always has been, always will be. Hockey, ice skating, you name it, right? What did they do with their kids? They did gymnastics. They did basic movement. They did tumbling. They did all sorts of stuff, right? That was a huge part of their training, a huge part of it. And then, oh, by the way, they would do some sambo techniques over here, or they would go get on the ice a little bit over here. But a massive part of it was just make them really good movers and throw a huge variety of different types of physical activities at them. Cool. Right. Yeah. And they've found a lot of data on that that says that, oh, yeah, our kids are peaking later, but they're peaking higher. And there's a lot of literature that's come out in recent years about this with respect to injury rates. Okay. You see way higher injury rates with one sport athletes than you do with two sport athletes, right? That makes and sense. It makes sense. The motor, the, your mobility, you're 100%. doing different types 100%. of things. Yeah, absolutely. So, like, for my own son, right? Like I've got him in jujitsu and I'm going to keep him in jujitsu and we're doing that two to three days a week, but that's it. Yeah. That's it. You know, he's yeah. starting soccer Monday and he's not getting bored of it. Probably, no, because we're not doing, doing it that often. Yeah. We're doing soccer Monday, Monday, Perfect. Wednesdays is going to do soccer. Yeah. Right. And we did swimming over the summer. Yeah. Right. And so we're variety of physical activities. Jujitsu might be the unifying thing that he does kind of more often or more consistently, yeah. 
but he's going to get other things. He's not just going to get jujitsu, right? We're doing calisthenics and push-ups and some lunges and things like that to try to start getting those things going, right? So, so that's one aspect of it, right? And it's a huge aspect of it. The different, the other part of it is, is it goes back to something I talked earlier, which is know what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. You brought up Little League. So let's go on Little League here for sure. a second. All right. You're going to get me off on a rant. Again. That's fair. Yeah, yeah. But well, that's the thing that like, you see even the parents. I I'm think, tired of seeing people get hurt. They don't have to get hurt. Then right? the kids are into it, right? So I talked about a second ago. Coaching education in the United States is garbage and I'll stand by it. You can chisel it on my tombstone. <laughs> I, I mean, I'm that serious about it. It's garbage, right? Other countries do a better job of this. Now, certain aspects within the United States do well at it. USA Track and Field has a pretty good coaching education program. Okay. Um, but the team sports, no, none. How many little league coaches tell players you can't throw the curveball, but you can throw all the fastballs you want. It's ubiquitous. It's been there forever. Right. And nobody ever questioned it. It was dogma. Right. So in about 2007, somebody decided to finally look at what was happening at the elbow and at the shoulder when you threw fastballs versus curveballs. And what did they find? The stress on the elbow is way higher when you throw curveballs. Okay. Or excuse me, fastballs. Fastballs. Way way higher when you throw fastballs, right? The forces, the load on the tissue is way higher when you're throwing fastballs than when you're throwing curveballs. And I can remember when the study came out and it showed up on ESPN. And you may know that people, uh, pardon the interruption, is like, uh, mm-hmm. you know, like Corny Heiser and Will Bond, right? So he goes, and I love the show. It's a funny show. The guys are funny. They're passionate about sports, all sorts of stuff. But they got on there and they just slammed this right away. Slammed it. All oh, these people don't know what they're talking about. Bunch of eggheads. Everybody knows that the curveball is more dangerous. Blah, 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 blah. They they're journalists. No they're just talking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They don't know the anatomy of the elbow. They couldn't right. tell you one muscle that attaches to that region. They couldn't exactly. tell you the ligament that they're talking about. They couldn't tell you anything. The only thing they know about the elbow is Tommy John. That's it. That's, that's it. all, that's they all I know. know yeah. Right. <laughs> so what are they doing? They're telling millions of people to ignore this stuff. The science, the truth, the, the people that, well, it may or may not be study. valid yeah, because you should come along and validate research. Another yeah. lab should come along and do the same study to see if you can get p- repeatable results. That's part of the that's scientific of- process mm-hmm. and it should be there. But you certainly can't just ignore it. You can't just tell people to ignore it. You need to check yourself. Yeah. You don't know what you're talking about. And if you don't know what you're talking about, you should shut up. I've got opinions about the economy. I'm happy to share them. Not I know nothing either. about <laughs> it. I know nothing about <laughs> it. The only thing I know about the economy <laughs> is that gas costs more and I don't like it. Right. And so it's what it is. But everybody has an opinion. An opinion may or may not be an informed opinion. Right. It may or may not be an informed opinion. And so that's an easy example. We talk about kids yeah. and, and what we could do. Well, maybe we, we don't let the kid throw a hundred pitches. Right. And you see this in high schools. You see this in college level too. It's not just little league. Same thing with kids getting like oh, yeah. football no, like getting smashed. Well, college coaches, yeah. um, the, the, the team coaches, mm-hmm. the team coaches, right? Oh, I don't want my, my baseball players doing any overhead lifting. Why? Right. Well, I don't want them hurting their shoulders. You just let him throw 100 pitches last night, and then because the game was tight, you brought him on three to in on two days rest to close. Right. And now maybe you're it's the 140 pitches he threw yeah. in the last three days, not the three sets of overhead press that we did, right. Coach. Right? Maybe it is. Uh, women's sports versus men's sports is a big problem here too. Okay. Right. What's men and women don't need to train different. 
there's no argument anywhere at all that men and women should be conditioned differently. And I'm not one, there are biological differences between the sexes. Of course. That's just reality, yeah. right? But that doesn't mean that Crystal needs to strength train differently than I need to strength train. Okay. Right? She may not be able to hold, push the load. It's that not you can. the same thing. That's, We're talking about different things, yeah, right? Yeah. A women's basketball team does not need to do much different in strength and conditioning from a men's basketball team, okay. unless they have particular injuries or deficits that they're trying to work through, or there's a different style of play. You could argue some tactical things like that, right? A women's soccer team and a men's soccer team should be doing basically the same thing. And there's no evidence anywhere to suggest otherwise. But, and I'm going to ruffle some feathers on this one. And I used to ruffle some feathers when I was teaching on this too. You know who it is that's pushing that? It's the women's team coach. It's the women's team coach who walked into one of my former students who has a master's in strength and conditioning and a bachelor's and has all the certifications and told him, you can't train the women's team the same way you're training the men's team. And this was a female okay. that said it, right? So there's all this misinformation out there and it, it's at all levels of sport. It's at all levels of physical activity. But why would she it's do in that? Dance. It's just her perspective on... She to didn't have know what she didn't know. This is what she was taught when she was coming up. Okay. Um, and so, so now she passes that on. And she dropped a book on his desk saying, this is how to coach women's sport team athletes. You should do it. Right? And now he's sitting here as the strength coach who has to make these coaches happy or he loses his job. And he's caught, right? So at the high school, at the college, at the professional level, I actually think that strength coaches should be hired by the university medical staff. Mm -hmm. ATs now are in a lot of places. They don't even work for the athletics department anymore. They work for the university health center. Because they, they because there needs to be a level of autonomy. And they should have the patient or the student yes. or the athlete. The patient right should come first. Absolutely. It's not about satisfying the coach. It has to be. I mean, they're they're there to play a game. They're there sure. to learn to learn, but they're also there to play the sport, right? So you have to get them on the field. There are demands there, and I don't deny it. I never will. But the patient rights come first, right? And you have to be able to do these things in a way that's going to benefit. And so we don't demand enough of this, right? Strength and conditioning, personal training should be professionalized way more than it is. And part of that is not having them hired by the head football coach. <laughs> The head football coach should not have hiring and firing authority over the strength coach. They should be able to pick up the players, do it with their other trainers, 100%. and that's it. You want to run it 15 times up the middle? God bless you. You can do it. Yeah. It's your, your job. That's your team. But don't tell yeah. me how to coach the team. Don't yeah. tell me how to coach the lift. Don't tell me what lifting we should do. You can tell me what attributes you want to see me improve, what attributes you think are important for this team. Hey, we're going to be running it a lot. So we need to be super strong and move guys. We're going to be fun and gum. We're spreading it all over the place. These guys need to be able to run. They better have great conditioning because we're going to go and we're going to hurry up and we're not going to stop. Okay. So the cardio has got to be up my there marching orders. Yep. I've got my parameters to work in. I can go, right? You saw it with athletic trainers, right? Where because there was a blurry line between athletics and the sports medicine staff, they did some things. Think about what happened at Texas Tech when Leach was there with that kid that had a concussion and he locked him in a, in a shed outside. It was a million degrees because he couldn't practice. He basically got punished. He has to be in this no stimulus environment. They sat him in a shed in Texas, million degrees out there. Leach got fired. Everybody got canned. Oh my God. I never, right? I never oh, it's good. Look story. it up. You can okay. find it. Right? I'm probably messing up some of the particulars. That's fair. That's the basics of the situation, yeah. right? Um, I got called once when I was actually at LSU because um, somebody got hurt in fall conditioning. It happens every year. Somebody gets hurt really bad heat stroke or cramps or something like that. Right. 
And I got called to be an expert witness. And I didn't end up having to do it. I didn't have, they didn't end up following through. But I got asked, will you be an expert witness? And we, can we depose you on what we should have known or what the coaches should have done or what they should have been aware of and stuff like that? And I was going to have to walk in the room and say, you know what? We've known stuff about heat strokes since the 1940s. Absolutely. We've known stuff about how much work people can do in various levels of heat since the 1940s because they did all this research in World War II, mm -hmm. right? And I was going to have to stand up there and say it. And I used to tell some of my students, this is like, you're going to go coach? You better think about this because it could be some joker like me sitting on the witness stand across from you having to answer these questions, right? It, it, it's what it is, you know? And, and my, one of my uh, former PhD, my PhD advisor did be, be an expert witness for stuff like this, right? And so it happens. People get hurt all the time because either people don't know enough or they don't care enough. That's what it is. And if you don't know enough, you should learn or you should shut up. I love that. That's it. I love that. Sorry. This stuff gets me fired. It's up. awesome. No, it's great. And that's part of the, that's part of the kind of the, the education of me, honestly, is like, I've learned so much from crystal and we've had other folks on and now you Jason, and it's been awesome. So, um, we're going to kind of wrap this up yeah, a little no, bit I'm here. It's absolutely been, yeah. been amazing. So a couple of, I'm going to ask both you guys a, 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 a question that I've been kind of thinking through. So in your careers, either one of you can go first. It doesn't matter. You guys can flip for it. What or who have been the most influential in shaping your progression in the health and fitness space? So either a person that's been influential or a particular thing that's happened to you. What Could you throw something out there? Like you've got somebody that you could point back to or something that's happened. You can go first. Oh, thanks. It's going to take some thought. For yeah, me. I know. So, I'm yeah. thinking too. I, I was thinking this my question might come and I was dreading it because I'm like, I'm going to forget somebody important. That's okay. There, that's what I'm again. saying. There's, there's always, so many, there's a lot of people, yeah. like I wouldn't say not one person didn't help me learn and help me get to where I am right now because mm. they were all influential in that way. You know what I mean? Um, good and bad. <laughs> I just pick one. For sure. Have, you're, um, not calling, you're, not, you're not discounting anybody. No, no, I get you. It's just still, yeah. if you want to do the justice, right? <laughs> right. You want to treat people well. So, you. yeah. No, you're good. So I would say, I would say it goes back, to, as far as athletic training yeah. goes, Put it in I, that space. I would say okay. it would go as far back as, um, as high school for me okay. and then also um going into college and after just in high school my high school athletic trainers because i didn't grow up my father at that time i wasn't talking to for a 13 year period so they were very those athletic trainers there um that's when i got hurt that's when i first knew like i had no idea what athletic training was yeah. yeah like i had no idea what it was and these guys um really supported me these men really supported me and um helped me with my college applications helped me with grants helped me you know That's with awesome. all these things and um so i would i would have to say especially coach k i love you coach k um <laughs> that's what we call him but i i would say my the athletic trainers in my high school at my high school definitely helped me get to where i am now kind of um yeah i mean that's, that's awesome. where it kind of began that's where so. your journey kind of started right there at least put yeah. the seed into everything right right and that's then cool. there have been many many people since then all, throughout yeah. college throughout i mean just After all my professors my advisors my even you know the methodist or you know sports medicine associates of san antonio like all these people have supported me um and helped me through so i'm i'm there's gonna be a lot to all of them yeah there's, there's so many and more. obviously there's people you know jonathan and as far 
far as like the jujitsu world, Sammy for introducing me to jujitsu. You know what I mean? Like it's hard to focus there's in. so there's so many people. I just love throwing that question out because it, it's yeah. it's kind of a, a second to to highlight somebody that you can kind of like kudos to this person. What would yeah. you say, Jason? Well, um, I didn't know anything about this field, right? I was actually a music major when I first went to college and stuff. And um, and then I left because I wouldn't really do anything. I was in the army and I really got into fitness and exercise while I was in the army. Right. And um, my mother actually told me like, oh, there's majors in this. Like she found out about it and told me about it. And so I realized that at the same school I had been before, they actually had a degree in this. And so I went back to school and changed majors into this. And I went from being a terrible student to being on the Dean's list every single semester. Because right? you found like a overnight flip. Like, well, there were two things. Okay. Overnight flip of, of passion of this, for sure, no question. Also, some basic discipline to realize if I was out partying until three in the morning, I still had to make that 8 a.m. class, yeah. right? Like that's a that's big, cool, yeah. that's a thing, right? <laughs> for sure. Um, but those were the things. And so she turned me on to the field, actually. So that's kind of cool. Um, there were two particular professors there that were awesome for me. One that I hung with a lot named Janet Reeser. She was an exercise physiologist. And she was one of those professors, like we'd sit in her office after class, digging through books, ask, I would ask her questions. She didn't have the answer to it. We got textbooks strewn all over the floor, trying to find this stuff, trying to find answers and things. And, and she was very, uh, formative for me. Um, after that, I went to, I went and do my master's. I worked for a few years. I went and did my master's and there was a few professors there. Um, Jack McBride, I took his biomechanics class my first semester, and it was a fundamental change in my understanding of the human body. My current learning curve was straight up. Okay. Uh, Mike McGuigan, Travis Triplett, Carl Foster, those were the, the big dogs there. Um, and then some really good friends that were co-master students with me that went on to do amazing things too. And we used to sit around and debate research and argue about these things and stuff all the time, like total nerd stuff, right? You did, yeah, you had the- I went in, I was all in, kind of yeah. Style. So Travis Erickson, uh, Tori Fowler, Jamie Gizzarelli, a lot of these guys, Jeff Mester, a lot of these, there's tons of them there, but mm -hmm. wonderful people. I went straight from there to LSU. So my, my doctoral advisor was Arnold Nelson, and he was amazing, amazing. And there was lots of great PhD students there, uh, Jared Porter, Will Wu, Mike Young, all these guys. And I learned a lot from those guys because like all the motor learning stuff basically I got from them um, and, and Jared and, and Will and worked from that. And then Tommy Moffat, who was a head strength coach at LSU, um, he let me come over there and start volunteering and helping out Just learning and, and learning and getting more reps and getting more uh, time to put on my craft and seeing how they do it at a different level and all these things. And at my master's, Dennis Klein was a head strength coach there and he let me do a lot of that stuff too. Um, and really, and I'm still have relationships with both of them today. I just saw Tommy over the summer. Um, and then there were uh, a number of other people post that, um, Carl, um, Bill Kramer, who let me get involved with being an editor for the journal strength and conditioning research. Um, and then now helped me, he put me on as a senior associate editor. So I'm a person making editorial decisions and things like that. Like he took a chance on me. Like, I'm just, you know, some guy, he did that. There's a lot, a lot of wonderful people. Uh, in the profession that have really put me out there and I can't name them all. It would be it's impossible, yeah. but there's some Absolutely. Andy Fry, Larry Wise, all these guys, tons and tons and tons of them. And I'm going to miss them and I apologize, but by and large, I would say 99% of the people I've met in the field have been wonderful people. That's awesome. There's one or two that aren't percent that aren't wonderful people, but 99% are absolutely wonderful people who would do anything for you. And have really, really, really helped good me numbers. out. Right? Oh, it's amazing! It's, good it's yeah. amazing, right? And so I'm very blessed. I'm very fortunate. Uh, my wife's been incredibly supportive. You know, all that kind of stuff. She's I met her through the field. Like she was, oh, really? she's got her bachelor's and master's in exercise physiology. She's also a nurse. And so we met at LSU um, when when I was doing this stuff. And so it's, that's been a great ride, man. I'm very cool. I'm loving it. Yeah, very cool. Yeah. Well, where can we find you guys, Crystal? 
Where can we find uh, you? At Submission Concepts. <laughs> yeah. We'll be at Subcon. Yeah, I'll be at Subcon. Um, Come beat us up. Transcend as well. And then also... On I your mean, socials. Yeah, in, just Instagram. Instagram. I'm just on Instagram. Cruz and Chris. There we go. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. For jiu-jitsu stuff, I'm on Instagram. Okay. And that's what I do. Um, and you can find me there. And then uh, for professional stuff, like so exercise, kind of science, some yeah, exercise science like stuff, you can find me on Twitter. That's where I do that stuff. And is it just... Uh, it's just it, your name. If you Jason, search my name, I think your... you'll find me. Okay, cool. Yeah, and I'll um, tag your stuff in. I think in it's like comments and stuff. Xi PhD or something like that on there. But you, you I don't remember it off the top of my head. Doctor, it was something. Doctor just Winchester. just Jason Winchester. It'll right, be cool. fine. I don't care to be called doctor. <laughs> I, I don't like good. to make my students get no, do that either. I if I have my choice, they would just. Well, I work with I work with a couple of PhDs in yeah. in my uh, For sure. position. They're exactly the same. They're like, yeah. No. no, I've worked at places where that's the culture that you have to do it, but it's not my choice. Yeah, yeah. no, I hear you. Yeah. I hear you. Thank you both very so welcome. much yeah, for fun. coming on. Uh, you guys know where you can go. You can go out and find us out on, you know, the bar is open with Beth and Greg on a, out on Instagram, Facebook, Spotify, iTunes, all the places. This has been the health and fitness episode. Again, thank you guys so much. Welcome. I always learn so much when we have these kinds of conversations and especially with your background and, thank you, sir. and then Crystal, thank you for, getting yeah. us together and, and bringing everybody together. So yeah. thanks everybody. Have a great night. Take care. Bye. <laughs>